listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find my work at AstrosFuture.com and find me on Twitter at AstrosFuture. I'm your other co-host, Kenny Van Doren. You can also find my work on AstrosFuture.com and find me on Twitter at The Vandalorian. Today, we're going to take a look around the system. But before we do that, we're joined by 2021 seventh round pick, Joey Loperfito. Joey, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Doing good. Thank you guys for having me on. For sure. So, you know, you recently just got to double A. So I just want to ask, how's, how's the Texas League? How is Texas treating you? Um, yeah, excited to be here. Uh, everybody keeps on saying it's it's not too hot yet. So just get <laughs> ready for it. Um, but it's going good. I've had a couple Topo Chicos, um, <laughs> had one burger for the first time. So adjusting to Texas, adjusting well. What was your order at Whataburger? Uh, I think I just went with the classic, the classic burger. Wanted to give it, a, you know, a true test, um, but it was good. You know, I'm a I'm a Five Guys guy myself, but it was a solid burger for sure. Nice. Okay, so getting into this, uh, you talked about the hot weather, but you're also off to a really hot start in your promotion to Double A. Um, but it feels only right to you know, talk about this to start the episode about your call up. How did Nate Shaver tell you that you were going to the Hooks? Yeah, so in the uh, Asheville Clubhouse, uh, there's a ping pong table. And after the game, um, you know, instead of playing ping pong, guys will just kind of use it as a, a dining room table and we'll eat dinner around it together. And Shaver had a – he's a hunter. Uh, he hunts a lot. And he had uh, brought out a plate of uh, jerky, and he was giving it out to guys. Uh, he was like, Joey, take some because, you know, he's given me that before in the past, um, and I cook a little bit. So I took a couple pieces, and – written underneath it said joey you're going to corpus um but i'd taken like three or four already and he was like take that last piece and i was like i'm good i'm good he's like no take it um so no it was fun it was a fun way to find that out yeah that's pretty cool i may have to get in on that (laughs) so through your uh your first eight games of the hooks you're hitting 438 ops of over 1400 what's what's contributing to an almost seamless transition for you to double a um well you know i didn't really start out the year too hot um you know, it didn't took me a little bit to get going. Um, and, you know, I didn't really change anything. I, if anything, I just kind of doubled down on, you know, my process and what I know works for me and my routine. Um, and I said to, you know, our hitting coach in Nashville, Brian Muniz, I said, I think after I'd gone like 0 for 4 a couple nights in a row. Mm-hmm. And I just said, you know, we're going to laugh about this start uh, sooner rather than later. <laughs> uh, and he looked at me and he said, you see me pressing? Like, you see me worried, Joey? Like, I know we are. So, it was good. That's, uh, you know, not, not every organization has people in it like that, that, mm-hmm. you know, trust you and know what you can do and aren't going to put pressure on you that, you know, won't help you. So it's been good. Um, and it's a familiar staff here in Corpus. Uh, pretty much everybody that was in Fayetteville, uh, with me last year is here too. Um, and I've played for, for Joe Thon last year. So it's a great clubhouse, great staff, easy to transition to. Yeah, I was going to ask about it. Now you're you reunited with with Joe Thon and some other staff members. So, how important is that to have those relationships in the system and kind of be able to 
to, to rise through the system, but also with the coaches as well. It's huge. Um, you know, that familiarity with the staff. Um, I mean, I said to Vincent blue, he's, uh, our development coach up here. I said to him the other day, laughing like blue, we've done this hitting routine together every day, uh, for, you know, all of last year and a you know, good mm -hmm. part of this year. So we've been doing the same things, uh, a lot together, but it makes a huge difference. Um, they just know me as a player and I know them. And, you know, that relationship is huge when you're seeing each other every day and playing long year. You, uh, before you, you know, started the season in Asheville, you're one of the early guys to show up to minor league camp. Was there really anything you worked on specifically this season, just to continue that offensive success you had last year, um, in Fayetteville and in Asheville? Yeah. I mean, going into the off season, I just kind of sat down with the, the guy I hit with at home in New Jersey. And we just kind of looked at, you know, what we felt like were the common denominators, um, you know, in my swing when it was at its best and uh, when it was producing. Uh, I came to Instructs in September in the fall here in West Palm and, you know, met with the organization and, you know, got a pretty clear outline of their goals for me uh, offensively and defensively. Um, but no, I mean, the the challenge as cliches is, is to be consistent with it. Um, there wasn't as big of a, you know, adjustment. Uh, I felt like after, you know, I got drafted and had my first full off season, that's when I really made, you know, pretty sizable adjustment to my swing. Um, so it wasn't really anything like that, but, you know, in a little bit more challenging sense, um, just finding out how to do it more consistently every day. Defensively, you've played a multitude of positions, you know, from first base, second center, even some time in the corner outfield spots. Uh, where do you feel like most comfortable defensively? Uh, I love playing center field. I always have since I was a little kid. Um, but I really love playing second base too. You know, I think it's a fun position. You get you get kind of the, you know, the fun plays up the middle of the field, but you don't really have to make quite the throw that, you know, short and third do. Um, but I think playing second's a ton of fun. So I would say center and second for sure. Yeah, I remember when we uh, we talked last year when I was in Fayetteville, and we'll get to a, a Philadelphia Eagles question here in a little bit, but you mentioned being a big football fan and kind of being like a safety out there in center field. Yeah, center field's fun. Um, you get to cover the most ground, but in this organization, it seems like everybody that plays outfield's a center fielder. So, you know, whether <laughs> you're playing left or right field, uh, I feel like we got center fielders all over the place. So in, in your personal opinion, how important is that that defensive versatility, you know, being able to contribute – at a, at three or four different positions at a high level, like how important is that to you? It's really important. It's something I take a lot of pride in and, you know, it's a, a challenge that even though I've been able to do it so far, um, you know, it's something you constantly have to be working at. Um, but it's huge, you know, especially you look in our organization, guys all over up and down in the big leagues that can play all over the field. Um, I think it can just open up, you know, different pathways for you to get up. Um, and once you're there, help you stay there. So we obviously value defense, you know, for sure. a ton and value it for a reason. So you've also put on, you know, a good amount of muscle the last two seasons. And I know Jimmy has a question for you about your actual height here in a second, but what really led to those off season workouts and just building more muscle into your frame? Um, for me this year, uh, just getting after in the weight room. Um, you know, I have a great gym in, in New Jersey that I've gone to really since I started weightlifting. Um, I love the space there to work out and the people there. And this off season, I definitely made, you know, smarter choices about what I ate. Um, I think my first off season, it was just, all right, how can I put on, you know, as much good weight as possible? 
Um, and I made a, you know, a solid jump and kept the body fat percentage good. Uh, but you know, to do it again, as you keep putting on more and more weight, um, it gets harder and you got to be smart about what you're eating, uh, make sure you're eating the right things and eating the right amount of it. So that's probably the biggest, biggest stressor for me in the off season is just, you know, eating, it sounds pretty simple, but when you're yeah. trying to put on good weight all the time, you get on a first name basis with the people at the grocery store for sure. So the reason I asked that is I saw, you know, Duke had you listed at 6'4", 195, and baseball reference has you at 6'3", 220. So is that is that baseball reference one a little more accurate? or uh, The height is – I finally had them update the height. I was like, I just worked for five months to get to 220. Like, can you guys <laughs> please change that? Um, and the height is kind of funny. We were down at uh, spring training, and they had us measured for the automatic strike zone. And uh, – I'm pretty, pretty close with Chad Stevens in our org. He's a, uh, he's one of my better friends. And mm-hmm. we were joking around just cause we'd always said like, Hey, we're six, four, we listed six, four, listed everywhere, six, four. And we get up there and somebody, I forget who it might've been, uh, might've been Quincy. He got measured and whatever he thought he was, it was like two inches shorter <laughs> and we were all had our shoes off. So he didn't have any help there. And then I go and it says like six, two point like eight seven and i was like this is wrong i was like <laughs> the guy working it i was like i've been telling people i'm six four and then chad goes and he was like six two point nine five so it was a big that day was a big blow to our ego um <laughs> and then obviously on the we got listed it went down i mean it went from six four to six three they changed it so the secret's out <laughs> secret's <laughs> So uh, what has contributed to your success offensively and kind of limiting uh, limiting the chases at the plate? You know, this year I looked in double A so far, you got eight walks to six strikeouts. Um, so as you started to walk more and, and strike out less, what do you what do you think has kind of uh, helped you kind of turn that around? I think just getting a better understanding of my approach as a hitter, you know, doing knowing what I do well, um, knowing what I excel at and not trying to do really anything other than that. So just kind of being comfortable knowing my approach. You know, I'm not somebody that when I think, ooh, I want to pull the ball in the air, I can't think like that at the plate um, or else, you know, that's just not really how my swing works. It's not really, you know, who I am as a player. So for me, it was just kind of like, okay, when I think, you know, line drive over the shortstop's head, you know, stay into the middle of the field, that's when my swing's at its best. Um, And I'm going to try not to swing at pitches that, you know, fall out of that approach. I Joey, jumping into some of these more fun questions before you get out of here, um, you just mentioned uh, you and Chad Stevens are you know pretty close friends. Um, what has that kind of been like, you know, from a guy from your uh, draft class in 2021 that you've been so close with that you've gone on vacations with to other countries? Yeah, so uh, Chad and I, we were met him at the day one at the physicals uh, when we first got signed, um, and then we got sent to Fayetteville for kind of the tail end of that season, um, and we both stunk. Uh, we were terrible. <laughs> um, and we would just kind of get back from the games and hang out afterwards. And just, we got pretty close. Um, you know, when you're hitting one fifteen, you learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about people you're playing with. Um, and so me, it's a friendship that, you know, to meet somebody like that and Chad's a great dude and he's got a great work ethic. So we spent this past off season together, um, you know, training, we hit at the same place, worked out at the same place, uh, near Philly. Um, but yeah, we took, a we took a trip after the season last year. Um, something we had been looking forward to and it's a ton of fun, but 
you know, I think that just kind of speaks to the organization and full of great dudes and you know, a lot of special people. So it's been fun to get to know everybody. And my quick follow-up question is that I remember seeing like some Instagram lives with you and Miguel Palma and it was he the other guy you were really close with in Asheville last year. Yeah. Um, that was a pretty tight knit group, um, in Asheville, but Palma's funny. Uh, he's helped me with my Spanish a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, my nickname for him is Osito, which is a little bear. And he calls mm-hmm. me Tiburon, which is the shark. So no, he's a great guy. Nice. So going back to to your college time at Duke and then playing the last two seasons in North Carolina and, and Fayetteville, Nashville, uh, how does it feel to be in Texas? And I know it's only only two weeks, but, you know, just getting a little bit closer to Houston. It feels awesome. Um, you know, I felt like I'd been playing in North Carolina for five or six years, which I was, but that's a long time to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you always hear, you know, if you can hit in the double A, you can hit in the big leagues. And so that challenge was something I was really looking forward to. Um, and you don't really know what to expect until, you know, you get there and you do it. So, um I didn't really have an expectation. You know, I didn't know if I was going to start here or not, but here we are. And, you know, I'm excited for the challenge. So. You've mentioned you're, you're from Philly multiple times now and, you know, growing up in Philly, I have two questions for you. Um, The first one was your family pulling for the Phillies in the world series last year. And then my second one is how did you uh, recover from the super bowl? (laughs) Um, I'll answer the super bowl question first. I, I haven't recovered. (laughs) Um, it's, you know, that's just a good, such a good team. And for it to end on a penalty, I thought was, a was a little cheap, but, uh, no, I wish they won. But if you saw what they did in the draft, uh, I think they're Mm going to be in a good spot going into next year. So I'm looking forward to going to some games for sure. Uh, but about the world series. So me and Chad actually got some tickets. Um, what we did is we, called the box office they would release tickets at like random times and we called the box office probably 700 times consecutively until somebody finally answered and they were like listen we have four tickets these are the price face value and we were like we don't care we'll take them um and they happened to be in the diamond club at citizens bank which is a really nice section we just kind of totally lucked out by chance got these tickets and we're walking to our seats and I'm not wearing any Astro stuff just because the Phillies fans are brutal. Um, mm-hmm. But on the other hand, like I was in fourth grade when the Phillies won in 08. And that's a big reason of why I think I, you know, love baseball and wanted to get into baseball just growing up and seeing that team and watching them play on the TV. So I'm neutral, neutral clothes. And we're walking to our seats and I see Sarah Goodrum, uh, our director of player development. <laughs> and I was like, Sarah, like, how are you doing? And she was very surprised to see me. She was like, Joey, like, and she made a comment. She was like, you're dressed neutrally, like no Astro mm-hmm. stuff, no Philly stuff, kind of joking. Um, just because she knew, obviously, that, you know, that team in 2008 and growing up in Philadelphia was, you know, a big part of my baseball journey. So I was excited either way for whoever won that World Series. Obviously, you know, you want to be out there, but at the same time, that's where you grew up. For sure. What, uh, what game did you go to in Philly? Uh, I went to... The game in the World Series, it was game five. And then I was able to go to the one where Bryce Harper hit that walk off. Uh, was a, I think the go ahead against San Diego. Okay. So you were there for the, the McCormick catch, right? That was, I was five. there for the McCormick catch, which yeah. was awesome. Yeah. Pretty, that's, yeah, that's wild. Special. It, uh, that environment, just being there, 
Um, it was a fun night just because you're, you know, at a World Series baseball game, but mm -hmm. it was just so motivating. Um, I remember, you know, looking at Chad and being like, this makes up for all the long bus rides, all like the bad meals, whatever it is. It's, you know, the ultimate motivator is watching that game and being like, this is what we're working towards to be out on that field and to win. So definitely. So and now that you've been in the system uh, coming up on two years throughout your time in the system, who's been the, the toughest pitcher you faced? Um, and you can give an opposing team if you like, or you can give a, a pitcher in the Astro system. Toughest pitcher I faced. Um, or is there like somebody in the Astro system that just like stands out there like, man, when I have to face him and, you know, in, in BP or in, in uh, live at bats in spring, it's just, it's a pretty uncomfortable at bat. Um, one that stands out to me from this spring training is, uh, JP France. I got to face him, uh, like two or three at bats one day and we had like a good, like some battles, like a, a full count, maybe like an eight pitch at bat. And then I think another one and he punched me out on one and I walked the other, um, nice. but his cutter was on that day and it was good. He came up to me and he asked me, you know, how'd you take that pitch? And I said, like, how'd you throw <laughs> that other pitch? So it was funny. <laughs> nice. Um, going back to some of these, more of these Philly questions, the, the city you're from is, you know, well-known uh, for music artists, you know, such as Meek Mill. Um, has your walk-up song been affected um, by your Philly blood? Uh, no, I haven't done any Meek Mill for a walk-up um last year in Fayetteville it was Knock You Down by Kerry Hilson um and this year in Corpus I picked uh Paper Planes by MIA so no meat yet yeah I saw the hooks put that on I think it was your home run the other day and I was wondering what the connection was for the song yeah I like that song so they have good speakers too the speakers play uh you gotta know your speakers before you pick the walk up <laughs> Good to know. I, I do have one other question and I've seen it pop up on Instagram a little bit. I know you got a, an Instagram account that's Joe Cooks and I've seen some other players, I think coaches uh, comment on that. So can you uh, can you kind of tell us what that's about? Yeah, so uh, I do have a cooking Instagram. It is called Joe Cooks. I'll have to go make sure, you know, it's all PG on there after this, but which <laughs> it is. But uh, <laughs> I was in college and both my roommates had a, a Monday night class from like five to nine. And so I would be sitting in our apartment just with nothing to do. And I was like, well, Hey, I'm, you know, probably going to be playing pro ball here for in a little bit. I should probably figure out how to make some food for me and, you know, whoever I'll be living with. Um, it was just something I started doing for fun. Um, and kind of posted, you know, what I made jokingly. Uh, but you know, over the years I've made some pretty good meals and I put it on my, uh, my elbow guard and my shin guard. I put, you know, Joe cooks and nice. people start asking me about it. So no, it's all in good fun and, you know, cooking something I like to do in the off season with my family and, you know, I love food. So. And that's good. That's a good one anyways. Cause you know, like cooks has started to be like a, uh, a big sport thing, you know, like let them cook and all that stuff. So yeah, it works good on the elbow pads. Uh, yeah. I was surprised, uh, Corpus, you know, put it on like one of the captions or something. And I, I did not, I mean, I'll tell people about it on the team, but I, yeah. I'm not walking around plugging my own cooking page every now and then. So, <laughs> but I'll gladly accept the the press. I think I got like 300 followers now. So nice. All right, Joey, man. Well, I, I really appreciate taking the time to come on here and chat with us, you know, uh, and congrats on a, a really good start to the season so far. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. It was a pleasure.
All right, that's going to do it for the first segment. In the next segment, we'll take a look around the system. We'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media. Enjoy the show. Make sure you uh, drop us a review. Leave us some stars. So we'll get into our minor league system review. We'll start with Sugarland. The record doesn't look great. They're sitting at 8-18 eight and 18 right now, but there's been some, some good performances. And a couple of guys I'll start out with, J.P. France, a guy that uh, I kind of hoped was going to get the call today when we found out uh, about Jose Arquiti and it being Brandon B. Like, but um, he's been on fire, man. 26 strikeouts in 19 innings, the ERA at 2.33. And we've seen that that bump in velocity. I think at one point he was up to like 96.6. Uh, we just heard Joey talk about the nasty cutter and the way he pitches. So I know his chance hasn't came yet, but I, I do think it's going to be coming uh, pretty soon for him. Um, I know Garcia just went out, it, it appears, but um, don't wish for any injury, but I, I'm excited to see J.P. France get a chance to at the major league level at some point this year. Most certainly, the Astros really tried to get him into the equation last season, seeing him more as a reliever in the you know coming out of the bullpen for one or two innings. Um, it looked like that was going to be the future for him, and he comes back this year as given the Space Cowboys four or five innings to start. And obviously you're going to go with the experience in Brandon Belak, someone who's shown that they can pitch five to six innings. But I think J.P. France is definitely going to see his debut this year if the Astros, you know, have another injury in Luis Garcia or just need some um, long relief out of the bullpen. For sure. And, you know, there's another guy down there that some some fans have been kind of clamoring for. And we've seen the ups and downs uh, out of Forrest Whitley this year. His last start, he was up to 100 miles an hour. And I know that's something we really wanted to see was him getting the – getting the velocity back and uh, the stuff has been nasty. It's now just about refining it. He's had some, some really good performances. He's had some that haven't been, haven't been so hot, but at least having the raw stuff there, uh, I think is a good indicator that, you know, he's got, he he's back to where he was with the arm talent, at least, you know, a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Now it's just about, you know, lowering the walks um, and just, and just getting batters out, but the arm talent is there. Um, and that's good to see, you know, he, he's kind of reclaiming a little bit of that top prospect status just by showing what he's got with the arm. We've seen some injuries too, you know, come to that those rotation options with we can mention a little later about Yaris Solis and Mazel Tamaris. Um, but if we can see a full fully healthy Forrest Whitley all season and just find some more consistency, I, I think we could definitely see him as a guy that could be contributing to this team down the stretch. And it really just comes down to, you know, if all of his pitches are playing well. You know, we talked about on the podcast last time we were here about one of his off-speed pitches. It was a slider, just wasn't playing well with the changeup picked up for it. And so that was something we've seen a lot of maturity from Forrest Whitley. It's just trying to find consistency in these starts and these outings. Um, offensively so far for the Space Cowboys, only one player has an OPS north of 800, and that is J.J. Matajevich, who came off the injured list uh, a week and a half ago, he's at 823 on the year. No longer a prospect, but still an option for the Astros if they want to put him back on the 40-man roster as another lefty bat. A lot of hard-hit balls, though, coming from Joe Perez, Pedro Leon, and Corey Lee. Leon was actually on 11-game on-base streak um, until this week, and he had to leave a game early. There was no reasoning behind it, but he's, he hasn't seen time since. Um, seven batted balls, seven-plus uh, over 110 miles an hour from Pedro Leon this year. Good thing to see from a guy who's a top prospect in the system and has kind of struggled offensively with the strikeouts. Um, only one of those uh, bat- those batted balls over 110 miles per hour have been a home run this season. That was Corey Lee on April 1st. Um, but Lee has been amazing behind the plate as well. Um, yep. He leads the PCL in pop time to second base, hardest throw and caught stealing percentage. Those are all from StatCast. So overall, you know, Corey Lee has been looking great defensively. 
Yeah, and we know that's important. You know, we we know what uh, Yiner Diaz can give us. I mean, he's and he's actually been pretty decent on the plate too. But we know what he can give us with the bat if he can get some extended time. And a lot of people peg Corey Lee as that that good defensive catcher to to see him showing that down at the Triple A level right now. And you know, taking the uh, he he was in a battle for the position. The Astros wanted him to get full time reps and to go down there and do well defensively is uh, is really good to see from him. Um, like you mentioned though, you know, Matt Ajevic returning from the seven day uh, IL, but unfortunately, there's been. There's been some injuries on the pitching side as well. So can you fill us in on that, Kenny? Yeah, I'll go quick with the transactions, but I wanted to correct myself real quick that there actually has been another 110-mile-per-hour home run this year from the Space Cowboys. Michael Sandel, who had only had right. two hits going into Sunday's action, he had a home run. It was 467 feet, 110.3 off the bat. Sorry, that was on Saturday, but um, he's kind of getting to go in. I know there's some elevation there in Reno that would probably help him with it. Um, Transactions-wise, as we mentioned, J.J. Matjevich back from the IL. Yaro Solis, Mizael Tamares, and Ross Adolph all went to the seven-day injured list for the Space Cowboys. Ross Adolph injured his ankle rounding first base on a home run he hit in Reno this past week. It was one of those scenarios where the ball didn't look gone, and so he was putting, he was going full speed, rounding first, and I think he looked up and saw the ball was over the fence because the, 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 the air just carried it over, mm-hmm. and he was trying to change up his speed and fell, and he couldn't even run the bases after. Michael Sandel had to round the bases for him. So Ross Adolph is out for the time being, and it didn't sound good according to someone close to the team. Um, Pitching-wise, they picked up Matt Rupenthal and Cesar Gomez, um, from the hooks, Cesar Gomez has moved full time to being a reliever after being a starter the last couple of years. Um, Alex McKenna is also back. He replaced uh, Ross Adolph. Um, he was an outfielder. Saw some time with the Astro. Saw some time with the Space Cowboys last season before going back to the hooks. And then Rolando Espinosa, guy who's been around the block in the system the last year and this year, kind of like taking over that new AJ Lee role. But he's yeah. definitely more offensively consistent. Yeah, for sure. So hopefully they'll get get some things turned around this week. But we'll we'll go to Corpus Christi. They're at seven and thirteen, and it, it's crazy because if I feel like if you've been watching the Hooks games or been keeping up with them, it feels like there's been some some good pitching, some good hitting, and and the hitting has been great. But it just seems like they haven't been found a way to to win some ball games. But you know, Loperfito, we, we just had him on. Uh, dude's been awesome to start the season. He's got uh, hitting three forty nine overall, four doubles, five homers, six stolen bases, nineteen RBIs, um, and then in Double A, he's got four homers, fourteen RBIs, three stolen bases in eight games. Eight walks to six strikeouts. Just a, a really good start from him. Um, I will put on there, I think, uh, you know, when we talked about like the the MVP of the the system, I think Loperfito is my choice. So he's doing well so mm-hmm. far. I'm going to put that out there. But uh, really good to see that from him. We saw him, you know, really finish the season strong in Fayetteville, Asheville, and, and to see him. And I remember me and you texting about it after he had a first couple uh, games that, you know, he mentioned he went 0 for 4. Uh, and it's crazy. Now he's hitting 349 overall, and that's with him saying he was off to a slow start. So really good to see, um, and he's just going to you know, continue rising up the system. Yeah, most certainly. And it, him and Kennedy Corona, who you also have listed down here, those guys have been just taking full advantage of their opportunities to go up to double-A. Um, we can mention just a little bit later about, you know, they've double-A has had some issues with some injuries, but, I mean, they're getting this opportunity early on after just some limited action in Asheville, and they're not going back to Asheville. You know, right. they're going to keep this up, and then you'll regress to the mean, um, you know, at some point after you've seen so much time in the Texas league. But right now they're, I, this is, they're going, they're going to keep climbing. Those two guys are going to keep climbing on the top 30 list as well. For sure. And, you know, you want to see that walk to strikeout ratio like low Profito showing and And he's doing it in other ways too, you know, the stolen bases, uh, the, the defensive versatility, but yeah, Corona showing the home run power. And then another guy we were really excited about going into the season, Colin Barber kind of got off to a slow start. Um, but I saw you had that tweet today. His last eight games hitting 379, four doubles, two homers, eight RBIs. 
So uh, slow start for him, but he's uh, he's really picked it up the last uh, couple weeks, and um, the numbers are starting to look good. And it, it feels like he's been in the system a while, and, and he has, but he's still so young and you know so so young in in his uh, in his career, if you will, because you know he's had the injury, so he's healthy right now. He's swinging the bat well. Hopefully, he can keep that up. Yeah, from the shoulder surgery and then to small ankle injury he had last season, um, his shift's been kind of up and down for Colin Barber. And it, just to start the season, those first um, seven games, he had a 143 batting average, and now it's north of 300. I mean, his OPS is pushing 1,200 in the last eight games. Just yeah. overall, just great offensive showing from Colin Barber. We've seen good defensive plays from as well. I mean, him and Quincy Hamilton were flashing a lot of leather early on in the season. They were giving us some highlight reels. Um, so there, there's still a lot of outfield options at the top of the system. Everyone's yeah. talking about Drew Gilbert, Jacob Melton. You know, there's options on the way next year and um, Joey Loprofito and Colin Barber. Yeah, man, the Astros really have a lot of depth at the outfield position. Uh, we knew that coming into the season, but it's it's been fun to watch so far. I'll go to the pitching side in Corpus Christi. Rhett Coba, guy I talked about a few times last year, kind of under you know under the radar arm, but. Man, he's been good so far this year. Uh, four walks to 25 strikeouts in 17 innings in AA. His last start uh, went six innings, gave up one hit, one run. I think it was a solo home run. Struck out 10, no walks. Uh, just a, a really good start for him. And, uh, you know, one of the few, I guess, uh, in, in Corpus right now that have actually pitched well, you know, throughout the the entirety of the season. Um, but just another underrated arm that the Astros found and is moving up in the system. Uh, moving on to my last guy that I want to just hit on real quick about in Corpus is Shea Whitcomb. I mean, Shea Whitcomb coming in that 2020 draft, 2021, he looked pretty solid. 2022, just really couldn't find that offensive stride. And he looked like he was making some adjustments at the plate at the end of the season. Got put on the MLB pipeline team of the week at one point, was stealing bases. Everything looked good for him. But he's really playing himself into a call up to Sugarland at some point. And with the limited options there, with Pedro Leon possibly being injured because he's not hasn't been playing the last couple of days, um, there are some older guys in there, like with Ryland Bannon, who's going to be back, Dixon Machado. I mean, there's uh, there's an option here to put Shea Whitcomb there. He can give you uh, innings at second, short, and third base. And to start the season, a 289 batting average, 947 OPS, six home runs, seven doubles, and four stolen bases. The only issue so far is that strikeout rate. He only has four walks um, through his first two or three weeks with the hooks. But overall, just great offensive play there from Shea Whitcomb. Um, but it's been injuries galore. Corpus Christi right now. I mean, we talked with Will Wagner and he he said that he was getting a string of off days. He wasn't getting promoted. You know, he was off to such a hot start and he didn't even play at all last week. Didn't get put on the injured list. Um, the hooks have been pretty late to be posting players getting put on the injured list, uh, but no update really on Will Wagner um, on that front. Uh, Scott Schreiber was another guy who was just mysteriously missing games after a really good start with an OPS north of a thousand to start the season in his first week. And he's back in the games. I mean, he can play first base in the corner outfield positions. Um, but speaking of guys that are going to be missing time, Zach Daniels. I mean, he had a great second half of the season last year in Asheville. Home runs, stolen bases. He was doing it all. And he really showed off that power in the Arizona Fall League. He underwent um, surgery last Thursday to remove the hook of the hammock bone in his left wrist. Um, he's expected to miss approximately six to eight weeks. And another guy who had underwent the same surgery last August, Jordan Brewer, um, he underwent a second surgery repair, an issue he had in that wrist, and they're both on the seven-day IL. So two guys who had pretty decent springs. They saw a lot of action um, in the Grapefruit League. They're just going to miss time now. Yeah, it's unfortunate. A couple guys we were really looking forward to see, especially Daniels, you know, hitting, getting in that double-A level after uh, what he did last year with the speed and the power. Um, so unfortunate to, to see that, uh, you know, he's going to be missing some time. I know there are some other transactions. I'll let you hit on hit on the, the one with uh, Luis Santana real quick. 
Uh, yeah, so Luis Santana, um, who I was pretty high on coming into the season, if I had a top 35 list, he'd be in it, um, was showing some great, um, you know, hitting for average last year in Asheville, but he was also playing a lot of different positions, playing some first, second, and Mike Ramazadi, who was the development coach down in Asheville last season, spoke pretty highly about his work ethic and his ability right. to play anywhere that they needed him just so he could get some at-bats. was a two-time South Atlantic League Player of the Month last year. The Astros released him this past week, and he got picked up by the Tigers. So it feels like one of those scenarios that the Astros knew that there wasn't you know, a spot for him moving forward, and there were other suitors out there, so he just signed with the Tigers. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and, and best wish to him as, as he moves on in his career. Uh, we'll go to Asheville. Eight and 11, not not a terrible record. They actually started a little bit slow, played a little bit better recently. Uh, but they've been uh, they've been carried by a lot of the, the 2022 draftees. Uh, one being the number one pick last year, Drew Gilbert. Hit 328, five doubles, three homers, three stolen bases so far in 16 games. Doing exactly what you want to see. I mean, he's an advanced hitter in high A right now, hitting above 300, drawing some walks, showing off some power. Um, you know, it's only a matter of time before he's in double A. It just goes back to that that outfield death. I mean, you know, we would like to see him in double A as soon as possible, but the guys that are up there right now, Quincy Hamilton, Kennedy Corona, Loperfito, um, all those guys up there right now, it's it's gonna be tough for him to to get time. But um really good to see him start the season off hot and uh yeah, especially finally having that first round pick that the Astros didn't have for their two years prior. So to get one and to have him, you know, hitting well early in the season is uh is just uh, really good to see. Yeah, and a guy that was taken in day three of that draft, uh, Tim Borden, has really stood out to me. He was on a seven-game hit streak, and he was a guy who made it up to high eight last year just based on need. Chad Stevens went down with an undisclosed injury, and they just needed a guy up there, and he was mashing last year. Um, strikeouts were a little bit of worry, but he had the seven-game hit streak. Uh, it was He's batting 300 right now with a 917 OPS, um, two doubles, three home runs, 11 RBI. And those are the one issue is those 20 strikeouts right now for Tim Borden. Um, good opposite field power. They showed off at Georgia Tech last year before he was drafted. So I'm pretty high on Tim Borden's versatility as well. It can give you innings at second, uh, short, and third base. So that's another guy that's really contributing for that 2022 class. Yeah, and we'll we'll, we'll mention another one, uh, Zach Dezenzo. He was a guy that kind of – a lot of uh, a lot of guys were surprised that he fell as far as he did in the draft. You know, he was in that. Uh, um, I think he was what about eleventh or or maybe a twelfth round pick. Um, but you know, he uh, good home run power, good exit velocities, and so far this year he's hitting three seventy, six doubles, two homers, eleven RBIs. Had a phenomenal week. Was uh, my my Astros future player of the week this week. Um, but another guy will give you uh, innings at second, third, maybe first base. Um, and then I'll just mention Jacob Melton too, who we've seen kind of get off to a slow start, but he's drawn some walks, and I think he's hitting. He's hitting in the low 200s, but his OPS is almost 800 because he's got the two homers. Um, it really seems like he's been a victim of uh, a poor batting average on balls in play right now. He's hitting the ball. The walk-to-strikeout ratio doesn't look that bad. It's just a matter of them uh, starting to fall. But I know he missed a little bit of time with some some back tightness, but he came back, homered yesterday. So uh, nice to get him back and, and see him hitting well as well. My last guy I want to hit on is really performing well. Another guy from that 2022 draft, 19th round pick, Ryan Repleski. He made it to AAA last year just based on need. Corey Lee um, was put on the injured list. Just a small little minor thing at the end of the season. And we, we knew he was fine after because he was on the Astros uh, World Series roster when Yuli went down. But overall, just Ryan Repleski, it's been 
great in Asheville. He hit for the cycle on Sunday. He's batting 385 with an 1133 OPS in 10 games. He joined from Fayetteville because they just needed that third catch. They had Miguel Palma, Colin Price, and Nario Rodriguez hit the injured list again. So Ryan Robuski is taking full advantage of this. And once Nario Rodriguez comes back, I have no idea what they're going to do with those catching options. Someone's going to have to go to Corpus Christi. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we, we need that we need that depth at catcher. We mentioned that uh, I think even last year on the podcast. But uh, we'll go to Fayetteville nine and eleven. Uh, as we talk about the 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 hitters from the 2022 draft, Fayetteville's been dominated by the pitchers. So before I get to any of the hitters there, and there has been hitters from that draft as well um, that are doing doing well to start the season. Um, but we'll start with Andrew Taylor, the Astros second round pick, uh, 22 strikeouts in 14 innings. And then you go to Michael North, 24 strikeouts in 17 innings, 2.6 URA right through six scoreless innings this week. Then you can go to Trey Dombrowski, 26 strikeouts in 17 innings. Nolan Devo, uh, DeVos, 23 Ks in 14 innings. There are pitchers that they drafted last year in those, those top 10 innings are really racking up the strikeouts. Um, and it's good to see because I feel like last year Fayetteville had a lot of um, a lot of really young pitchers, a lot of guys in that, that 19, 20-year-old range, you know, Miguel Ulola, Edison Bautista, Carlos Calderon. Those guys are in Asheville now, and now we're getting a nice influx of that pitching talent from that draft um, in Fayetteville, and they've started out the season really well. Yeah, most certainly. It's it's good to see a lot of these guys moving up together. Uh, we, we didn't even see most of them pitch last season, even in the yeah. Florida Complex League. Um, we we spoke with Andrew Taylor before, and he mentioned that the Astros are a little bit slower with those guys. They weren't trying to rush anyone. And, um, you know, it's good to see some of these top picks throwing because the Astros, you know, they lost the first and second pick last year. Um, but and the, that didn't really affect the pitching this year. But, I mean, the Astros could definitely go after another pitcher early on these next two seasons. We could see some younger guys pushing up. We haven't even seen a high school pitcher for the Astros in some time. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, you start thinking about the draft last year and um, the performances the Astros getting on the pitching side, on the hitting side, you know, the, the 11th round pick, the the guy that got the big bonus, Ryan Clifford's off to a great start as a teenager, hitting 333 and OPS of almost 1,000. I think the, the on-base percentage is almost 500, 19 walks in 19 games. Um, just a really good start for him. And man, you, you can just tell you watch, he's, he's super very advanced at the plate. I think some of his strikeouts are because he does take a lot of pitches and, you know, takes a lot of close pitches. They don't, I don't think they're using the automated balls and strikes. So some of them may be wrong, but um, just an advanced pro, uh, approach at the plate draws the walks, hits for some power. And, uh, you know, given his size that he is right now and that he's only 19, you, you can expect that power to start to climb up. Um, and he's a guy that people can be, uh, to, can be really excited about for the future. And another young young high schooler that's in the Astros system, Tyler Whitaker, who's kind of like on that same trajectory. Like when we were watching Clifford and me, Clifford and Whitaker, those are two guys that can move together. And Clifford played all of last season single A. He was back there to start this year and off to a good start. 319 batting average, 889 OPS with seven walks. So strikeouts are still kind of a worry with 23, but he has a double, triple, and a home run. But he hasn't played um, since the 22nd of April. He was... There was a collision he had at, at third base um, in that right. Saturday game where um, the base runner was sliding in. The, his cleat went up in the air and clipped Whitaker in the face. Whitaker's still around the team in the dugout. I think it was maybe just like a week off kind of thing for even if like a concussion protocol just to make sure everything was fine for him. But um, he looked good to start the season. The strikeouts are still a little an early issue. But overall, I mean, it, it'll be good to see Whitaker back at the field. Yeah, definitely. And um yeah, I mean, he's a guy that's a he's a you know boomer bust kind of guy, right? He's got some strikeouts, but he's got some big time pop. Um, but on the pitching side, yeah, we talk about the starters that are doing well, but there is a reliever that is doing uh, doing pretty well in Fayetteville right now, um, and it's only his first year pitching. So I'm gonna let you talk about that real quick, Kenny. 
Yeah, I've been all all about Dari Carrasco. I mean, I, I I remember seeing some time with him just fielding wise. I he never really was a big offensive bat. And we mentioned this mm-hmm. last time that he's moved to the pitcher's mound. And there's an article on Astros Future that I wrote about how he's like, wow, I look like Marcus Stroman. And people in my comment section were saying it even before I asked him. Um, so shout out to them to give me that quote from him. But um, he's pitched five innings out of the bullpen. He's given up only five hits, one earned run, and he's only walked one batter to his six strikeouts. So Darius, you know, he's made this transition pretty seamlessly. He's not seeing consistent time out of the bullpen. I think it's just getting used to him being a pitcher is what the Astros are working on, Astros player development. And so it's it's been a good transition, though. Yeah, and, you, you know, you would think one of the things that maybe he would struggle with would be command, but like you mentioned, the one walk in the five innings, the six uh, six strikeouts, uh, really good to see that from him early on. And, I mean, you know, given the fact that he transitioned at a, a fairly young age, it's not like he's 25, 26. I mean, there's a chance that he could uh, be a legit reliever at some point in the, the major league. So really good to see that from him. I know there were some transactions, a, a few new players to the uh, to the Fayetteville roster, and one of them's actually started out really hot, Kenny. Um, so I'll let you talk about him. I know you, you said uh, someone had spoke pretty highly of him in spring training. Yeah, Ricardo Below. I mean, I was at spring training, and I was talking to some of these coaches, Andrew Cressy, who was the Astro FCL Astros orange hitting coach last year, and I was like, who is that? Like, I, it's a big dude. He's 20 years old. I've never yeah. seen Ricardo Below before. And to start the year, his first week in Fayetteville, he has three extra base hits, um, in his first six games with an affiliate. And you look at this guy rounding the bases. I tweeted this video today, um, so Monday, and the dude does not look 20 years old. He is a big dude. He's very, mm-hmm. very grown for his age, um, can give you innings at first base, all around the infield, really. And, I mean, he can even stretch the outfield at some point. So he's going to be another guy that's going to climb through the system in the next two years and really turn some heads of someone that's probably not going to be in these top 30, top 35 list. But overall, just he, he's just – been spoken so highly of for someone of his age and um he's not leaving Fayetteville anytime soon for sure yeah no uh good to see that and you know that's what you know the system I mean the system is doing well I think you you look at the record it's not the, the team's records aren't great but you look at the individual performances from some of the top prospects the outfielders the pitchers they drafted last year and then some of these young guys coming up um a lot a lot to be excited about I think in, in the Astros system right now uh but before we go Kenny I know you I don't have anything that I learned this week that's like the best thing, but I know you got something, Kenny, so I'm going to let you hit on that real quick. Yeah, so this was probably from two weeks ago. I I finally figured it out, and I, I'm mad at myself that I didn't know this because I know Logan Van uh, Van Wy pretty well. Like I've talked to him a couple times, and I've talked to him in person at spring training. Um, and I've did, done some interviews with him, and I found out his last name is Logan Van Wy, not Van Way. And that was kind of a big thing to me. As someone told me about it, he's like, did you know this? And I lied. I was like, yeah, I knew that. Cause I was like, it's like, how could I not know the correct pronunciation? But it's V A N W A W E Y, but you pronounce it as Van Y. And I thought the whole time it was Van Way. Yeah. And you know what? Until you just mentioned that, I didn't know that either. So good to know. Good to know. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast covering your Astros in the minor league system.